Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Calvary Live, coming to you live from the studios here at Grace FM, Colorado, Aurora, Colorado, to be exact, and going out on the airwaves over several uh, radio networks around the country, around the world online. I want to welcome everyone listening on Grace FM. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Radio by Grace Network, give us a call, 303-690-3000. Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, and all of our online listeners, uh, you are on the air. Now, of course, Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock, remember, you're on one-week delay, but Grace FM, Radio by Grace, you're live. So you can call us now with the lines wide open. Usually the lines are open at the beginning of the program, and then they fill later on. So give us a call right now. Text me. Text lines are wide open as well, 720-336-0897. Let me pull up my live stream here, 303. Uh, our, the text line is 720-336-0897. Taking your calls and your questions. Looking forward to what you have in store. What does God want to do? Of course, we have a momentous day today as a church family. We are going back to a public water baptism after many years of taking a pause. So if you're here in the metro area, you want to see a baptism outdoors publicly at the Aurora Reservoir, uh, we're going to be there shortly. Uh, just in a couple hours, we're going to meet there at 6 o'clock Mountain Time, and uh, we would love to have you come out. Uh, right now, I think we're over 130 people signed up to be water baptized, uh, and hundreds more they are going to come out and support them, and it's, it's just a glorious time, a uh, wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, we used to do these outdoor baptisms for many years, and then they changed the way that they rent the reservoir and charge and they 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 increased the city of Aurora increased the price to well beyond um, what um, it is worth to have people pay for parking come into the reservoir and uh, and so we had to pause for a while and it caused us like COVID did to rearrange how we do things and we've had some glorious times of water baptism in our sanctuary we've had glorious times of water baptism at a local pool but we're excited we've never done a Wednesday night out at the reservoir. So that's tonight, 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 6 p.m. And for everyone that usually comes to church on um, Wednesdays, just know we're not going to be meeting at the building at all. We're going straight to the reservoir, and uh, we'll have a quick couple of songs. We'll have a short Devo, and then we will walk down to the water, and there'll be, uh, I think, the last number, 10 or 11 pastors in the water baptizing so we should be able to get done in a reasonable amount of time 
honoring your confession of faith, your step of obedience. Uh, so very excited um, to be a part of that uh, and to go back to the reservoir. Very excited. It's going to be great, great, great. 303-690-3000. Text me 720-336-0897. I have an anxiety disorder and many well-meaning Christian people who pray for healing but also seem to think it's a sin. Is it a sin to struggle with anxiety? Thank you. That is a great question. And you may be surprised a little bit by my answer. Okay, you ready? To the answer the question, is it a sin to struggle with anxiety? The answer is yes and or no. Yes, it could be. Yes. It could be a place of disobedience, of not trusting in the Lord, of not relying upon the Lord. It can be um, a person that just likes the identity of being anxious and worried and that's just how they are and they say that's how I was raised and not walking or seeking the victory that's yours in Christ. So yes, it's possible. And also, no, no, it's not always a sin. Anxiety obviously comes upon us because Jesus said not to be anxious. And so as he gives the instruction not to worry or not to be anxious, he's speaking to both, I believe, as a warning, but, you know, like an encouragement, but also to those that are already anxious, to those that are already worried. And, you know, you can read into the text sometimes, can't you, where you might read Jesus going, what's your problem? I can't believe you're anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Which... You know, this, I don't believe the heart of our Savior. Or you could read those instructions as encouragements. Don't, be, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Paul would say to the Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And... In order to in order to walk in the newness of life when it comes to worry and anxiety, I think you need to obey the scriptures so that when anxiety does come that you follow through by praying, right? Be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. And I think that's a piece that's often missed where we are more focused on what we don't have or what the situation might be or what uh, hypothetical thing might be coming up instead of being thankful for what God has done, who he is, how faithful he is. So, so we want to respond. If, if what you mean by struggle is that you are walking in obedience and you're anxious, but then you cast your cares upon the Lord, then no, that's not a sin at all. Experiencing the Emotion of worry and, and anxiety is not always a sin, no, but it can be. And so depending on what these well-meaning Christians have said to you, um, you know, it can be a sin. Um, worry and fear are antithetical. They can't, exp uh, worry, fear, and faith, I should say. So worry and faith, 
fear and faith are antithetical, uh, and they can't exist at the same time. And I'm just reminded of what our uh, what our Savior said: not to worry, not to worry. Your Father takes care of the flowers. Your Father takes care of the birds, and trust Him. Peter would say, and he would know, casting all your cares upon Him, because He cares for you. And the idea of the anxiety disorder. You know, using that word implies that you've seen a doctor about this and there's some side of me- some sort of medical diagnosis. Um, certainly, we've all been born with broken brains. And is it possible for our brain to be broken in a realm where we're very anxious and worried? Yes. Yes, there is, that, that is a possibility. As well as discouragement, depression, you know, our, our fallenness, uh, the fallenness of our of, of sin is very real and it's just as real as a broken bone is a broken brain uh, and is it possible as you're medically you know if you've been medically diagnosed that that there's a real neurological or physiological or medical condition absolutely and um just like we wouldn't tell somebody like let's uh, let's and, and I'm going to pray for you but let's just rephrase the question a little bit and say I I have a broken arm and many well-meaning Christians uh, people who pray for healing, but they think it's a sin. Is it a sin to have a broken arm? Now you may be you may be surprised by my answer <laughs> because the answer is yes. A broken arm could be the result of some sin. Yes, of course it can. You could have a broken arm because uh, you punched the wall in anger. Uh, you could have a broken arm because you. Um, tried to hurt somebody and they broke your arm or a drunk driving accident. Uh, yes, a lot of reasons that the answer could be yes. But also, no. No, most of the time a broken arm isn't sin at all. Broken arms happen. Broken arms are a result of the fallen nature of man. That not everything is what it should be. Our bodies are not what is promised as we have a new body coming to us in eternity. And so very much like a broken arm, uh, medical conditions um, are a result of sin as well. Father, I pray for this person who emailed and uh, just pray for a clarity of mind and the strength to obey. If there's struggle, there's life. And if there's life, there's a willingness to obey. And I pray that they would begin to count their blessings. They would begin to pray more than worry that they would be thankful, thankful, that you might use those as an opportunity to replace worry with peace, irene, a perfect settled heart that would be followed with a protection of mind and heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good question. Let's go to the phone lines now. We're in Castle Rock, Colorado. Aiden, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm uh, doing great. I just have a quick uh, quick question. Okay. Uh, I was reading Ezekiel uh, last night, and I've been going through the book again. <clears throat> and I was noticing, um, I believe it's somewhere between Ezekiel 18 through 24, if I'm not mistaken. But it's talking about uh, how uh, God was telling Ezekiel, um, like, oh, only these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, can make it out, and neither sons or, uh, or children or whatnot. Yes. And... Um, I was wondering uh, how how could he have known about Daniel? Um, I have personally three theories uh, that could possibly work. Uh, first, he was either prophesizing uh, about Daniel, 
yes. uh, through the Holy Spirit. The second is that it, it wasn't like in the correct timeline because I know some of the prophets um, are not in chronological order or whatnot. Yes, uh, scriptures. And the third was that it could be uh, another Daniel. And I was just wondering uh, what you were uh, thinking about that. Well, you know, Daniel, uh, Daniel being a man from the tribe of Judah, went to Babylon uh, in the first captivity. Uh, remember, he was kidnapped, I mean, if essentially uh, stolen as a teenager, um, where, whereby Ezekiel ends up in Babylon much later and probably was older, but they were both in Babylon for most of their lives. Uh, and there's a very good chance they either knew each other or knew about each other, uh, that having a reputation, you know, we're talking a very small community, right? They were talking kind of like the Christian community. Um, the Christian community is, is a subculture within a much broader culture uh, that you might know of, you know, Billy Graham. Uh, well, Billy Graham's probably well known in all the culture, but, uh, you know, I don't know, Chuck Smith. You know, Chuck Smith uh, is known in our little family of churches. But if you said Chuck Smith uh, at an event uh, in Washington, D.C., they may not know. But they were in Babylon. Uh, they're, li- they're very well possibly that their lives overlapped. And if their lives didn't overlap, their stories definitely, their true stories and the, the reality of who they are uh, definitely overlapped, very much like the subculture of Christianity today. Okay, yeah, that, that I was, you know, that was one of my uh, three theories. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, so what you did, whether you realize it or not, is you, you're like on the steps of inductive Bible study, right? You're making mm-hmm. good observations of the text, and then you pause and go, wait a minute, what does this mean? And then when, you're ask, when you ask that question, you're asking clarifying questions. Your three theories were actually questions to answer. Uh, and as you apply your theories to the text— one will rise to the occasion where the other two will be, you know, possibilities, probabilities. But usually one will fit the narrative, will fit the scope, will fit the context a lot stronger than the other three. Yes. Yes, I agree. That's good. God well, bless you, hey, brother. Man, I appreciate it. I uh, listen to you over Spotify during work, and you've been a oh. great blessing to my life. And I appreciate what, an what you're doing in the Lord. Thank you so much, bro. Okay. Yeah, great day. All right. All right. From Colorado, we head across the country to South Carolina. Vanessa, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello, Vanessa. Yes. My question is, okay, God, I don't know the scripture, but God um, said he knew all of us before we were born. Okay. That means that, well, I'm going to school for um, computers. And, and I mean, he knew us. So, I mean, and my question is, if he knew us and we were up there and we have free will, why not keep our knowledge of him up there to come down here with the knowledge? We have free will still just to choose to whether to do wrong or to do good. Why erase that data from our memory? Man, that's a great question. Um, and I think we need to break it down just a little bit because some of the premises that you're using in your logic, I mean, you really do follow a very strong logical line, but the, the one mistake that's made is that we didn't pre-exist in heaven 
before the womb. So when God is referring to his knowledge of us, what he's referring to is a doctrinal understanding of the knowledge of God. Have you ever heard of the phrase foreknowledge? Yes. So when God is speaking about this knowledge, he's speaking about as God, he knows all things that can be known. There isn't anything outside the knowledge of God. That's something that you and I have a hard time relating to because we don't have foreknowledge uh, in that sense. We don't know everything there is to be known, but God does. And so in his foreknowledge, uh, I think one of the scriptures you may be referring to uh, is a passage in the book of Jeremiah, where God is speaking to Jeremiah, and he's affirming um, he's affirming this foreknowledge where he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And so that statement says a lot of things, but what it doesn't say is that we pre-existed in heaven. Uh, we did not pre-exist in heaven. There was a formation in the womb of our earthly existence, of our identity of who we are in the womb, and life begins at conception uh, in the womb. And so we didn't exist like God. Um, that actually is a teaching, a false teaching, um, the idea of pre-existence in heaven of the Mormon uh, religion. Uh, and it's simply not supported biblically. What God is referring to here is his foreknowledge. And the best, you know, the best example, like we don't have foreknowledge, but sometimes we do know things uh, that are going to happen beforehand. Um, and so, you know, like, for example, um, uh, I did some errands earlier this week on Monday, and I knew I was going to Lowe's to pick something up for my wife. Well, I knew that, but it hadn't happened yet, but I knew I was going to do it. And you know what? I did do it. Um, it's not the same as God's foreknowledge, but it is something I could say, I am going to Lowe's and I'm walking down this aisle and I'm going to pick up this and I'm going to buy it for my wife and bring it home. Um, well, God knows that absolutely. And so he did, there wasn't anything. So as you can see, when you add to the idea that um, God had knowledge of us before we were born and you add to that that we existed in heaven, that's not a biblical concept. So the rest of your question can't follow because the premise is wrong. Does that make okay. sense? Yes, sir. Yeah, that was a very good question, though, because when you're reading something, we have to go, wait a minute, how did God really know us? And that's a really good question to ask. Thank you. Thanks for calling. How's South, South Carolina these days? Rainy. <laughs> rainy. Oh, we don't want rain. We got a big water baptism tonight, and we do not want to rain. No rain and lightning. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> okay, sister. God bless you. Thank you. All God right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. We are out at Aurora Reservoir tonight for our summer water baptism. We haven't been outside doing a baptism like this publicly uh, in many years. We're very excited. So if you Calvary's your home and you normally come to midweek study, we're not going to be meeting at the building at all. 6 p.m. Aurora Reservoir. If you didn't buy your parking pass, you, you need to get one if you don't already have one. And we're going to be out there. We have some light snacks, a little bit of worship, small Devo, and then 130 plus people or more, or more 
will be getting baptized tonight. And so we are looking forward to it. 303-690-3000 is the number. Back to Colorado. Aaron in Fort Collins, welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. Um, first off, just thank you. Uh, You're welcome. It's been a big part of our lives up here in Fort Collins for a long time, and we just um, really appreciate your ministry. Oh, thank you for that encouragement. Hi, uh, my my question is related to, you know, like, so like I guess Matthew um, twenty four nineteen that talks about like woe to those with children in the last days or you know, that are pregnant with children or nursing. Um, in that vein of thought, whether we're in the last days or troubled times, who knows? We certainly know that um, you know, we're probably entering into a recession of types. Is this a good time? Um, from a biblical perspective, to expand our families or expand our businesses um, to take risk or be more conservative? That's a great question. I, I believe that no matter what the times are, there are there are responses to... Uh, so there's a couple ways, a couple things to think about. Number one, uh, our, our, our lives in, in the Lord are always a walk of faith. So whatever decision you end up making in that realm, you know, to be more conservative and wait or to expand business and family um, is going to be a faith step, a faith walk. The Lord will lead you, lead us through different decisions, different opportunities, uh, either to open doors or close doors. And we want to look for that open door and closed door of the Lord to step through them in wisdom. Secondly, Certainly, there are ways to respond to the current conditions. I was almost immediately came to mind as I was formulating my answer. I I felt a sense of Joseph. Remember when Joseph was given insight of the future uh, that a famine was coming, he started saving grain. uh, And he did that sovereignly and supernaturally. Uh, He started saving grain so that during the times of famine, not only would he as a leader be able to feed the nation of Egypt, but he also fed other nations. And I think that in as we prepare for tough times, as we prepare, um, again, I saw the report today, economically in our own country, uh, we see 9% inflation, which is the largest uh, that you know we've seen. I think it said, I forget the number, how many years it's been. Uh, but certainly that's a squeeze on the economy and we want to be very careful because any squeeze on the economy is going to be a personal squeeze uh, on our own checkbooks. Uh, and I I also saw a post from a friend of mine today who was laid off. Uh, and, and so wise economic policies personally, um, like we taught our kids, um, this is the principle we have as a church. This is a principle I have in my house. This is a principle that I taught my kids and anyone else that'll listen, and that is first fruits always go to the Lord. So I want to be faithful. It doesn't matter what I make. If I make a dollar or a million dollars, I need to give my first fruits unto the Lord, period. No matter what the economy is, no matter what's happening in the world, I need to obey God in giving of my tithe to God through the life of the local church. Secondly, I need to have a heart for offerings. I need to be a giver and a generous person So I need to be open for any opportunities that the Lord might have to not only give unto him, but also to use the resources as entrusted to me for others. Thirdly, I need to save. And the Bible speaks very, very definitively that it's wise to save. And so it's 10% to the Lord, 10% to savings. 
Uh, and, and then with our kids, we also had them save a little extra. And whether they do that today or not, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, my wife would have them save a little extra. Uh, she called it a rainy day savings for emergencies and things that might come up to be prepared or some other, you know, whatever it might be. And, and so they were good stewards with that. And then the rest of that they could use as unto the Lord. And so I don't know that there's a definitive answer, conservative or expansion. That's really, it doesn't matter what the economy is. The Lord's going to lead you in that. Consider it. A conservative approach would be, you know, you hold back a little bit and you wait it out. And that's certainly within the pale of what God would have for us. But also think about expansion. Perhaps the Lord would open up a door for expansion. Uh, and what would the expansion be so that you could help others? Um, I had somebody call last week or the week before and say, um, with the days in which we live, should we start storing up food? And I said, sure, if you, you should start storing up food if, if, if you're thinking about your neighbor. So don't just store it up for you, but think about the people that live on either side of you and storing up food to help and serve and be a, a help in the community, not just to take care of your own family, but your neighbors um, is, is absolutely wise but an answer, um, you know, on yes or no on either one of them, it's just, it's from the Lord. Yeah, amen. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I just think about, like, um, I, I should know my scripture better, but where um, the Lord is giving to three different servants, and yes, one uh-huh. saves, and one, um, you know, one does a little bit, and one multiplies greatly. I mean, we have scripture like that, and then we also have both of those in the last day. Well, you know, I, I'm glad that you put those together. That's a really good combination, because the essence of the parable of the talents wasn't so much the amount, but faithfulness. And it was faithfulness in relationship to their master. Remember the one that went and buried it and just brought it back? They mis they mis misread, misunderstood, misapplied their master. They they lived in a separate. They were more concerned about themselves and what would happen to them instead of handling what was been entrusted to them. And then, of course, in a difficult time like this, I just think we, as the body of Christ, have to remember that the Lord would prepare us and prep us not only to take care of the household of faith, but by the way, the Bible says to take care of the household of faith first. Um, that's what the Bible says, family, household of faith first, but not exclusively that the church of Jesus is in the world today to shine the light of help and hope in a difficult time. And when he entrusts things to us, he just, we, we need to be faithful with them. Um, and if we're faithful with them, cause you could be faithful when you believe God wants you to be conservative. You can be faithful if you believe God wants you to expand. And as long as you're faithful, that's what God will honor. All I know is God is faithful, and he's with us. <laughs> you got time. that right. I, I'm just amazed how he guides us. Um, mm. You know, like he, he, he has helped us to prosper in tough times. Yes, he does. Because um, it's fascinating. But, but thank you for your good word. Okay, God bless you, brother. All right, bye-bye. 303 taking your calls and your questions. Where are we? We've got a couple open lines, uh, and we're coming up, you know, here in on the first half is already a break. Um, so I'm looking at the call lines. It looks like Wayne uh, or Teresa, you'll be next. 
uh, then Wayne, and then we have an open line. So grab it while you can, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. You can always text me, 720-336-0897, and I'd love to hear from you on the text line. Uh, if you have a prayer request, I mean, we don't always get to answer the questions on the air, uh, but um, we will, if there's a prayer request, we'll send it through our prayer team. And uh, sometimes we do get to answer questions when we're trying to fill some time. So uh, you hear the music. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to today's episode, Calvary Live. I'm going to date the day just a little bit because we want to make a big announcement for our church family. We've got our water baptism Tonight, in just an hour and a half or so, we're going to be meeting at the Aurora Reservoir out off of Quincy, out east. And uh, we're going to be having our uh, summer outdoor water baptism for the first time in many years. We haven't been at the reservoir for a variety of reasons, uh, but now we're trying something new. And we're going to be meeting tonight. We will not be meeting at the building There is no service at the building tonight. We're going right to the reservoir. 130 plus people, at least as of this morning, are are coming out with their family and friends to be a part of this momentous occasion. You know, when you're a church for 22 years, uh, you you, you walk into a church after a few years and you, uh, you know, after it's been existence and you didn't get to experience all the firsts. Our very first water baptism was intended to mimic in many ways, the beach baptisms that we did at Calvary Chapel in Little Pirate's Cove uh, back in Southern California. And of course, in Colorado, there's no beach, so we did it at the reservoir. And that first water baptism we ever did uh, when the church was just a year old, I think we did eight or nine baptisms. I still have the pictures. I love posting them, uh, seeing some of those kids have grown up into, into adulthood now. But uh, Marie... Uh, had cooked all the carne asada and beans and rice, and the the team served. We had a little tent, just a little tent. Uh, We all fit under it, and uh, we walked down to the water. It was a glorious time. And then over the years, it got much, much bigger. And then the the reservoir um, started charging exorbitant rates. I mean, expensive Uh, to rent out a portion of the reservoir and not even exclusive. I mean, I think if it was exclusive, uh, we might do it, but it wasn't even exclusive. And we just like, no, uh, it made us do different things. And we started baptizing in our sanctuary and we tried to do something outside. And then we did a big baptism during COVID uh, in a local pool. Uh, We couldn't do it in our own city. We had to go to another city because they had different restrictions. You know, it was so glorious. I mean, we had to be so flexible. We never want to lose that. But now the reservoir is back and we're going there tonight. We'll be there in about an hour and a half. And so if you're a part of Calvary and you didn't know or you didn't get the notification, come on out with us. 
Uh, we're going to be there tonight. We're going to gather up at the top uh, under one of the pavilions uh, up at the top. Uh, we're going to have a quick time of worship. We're going to have a quick Devo. Um, Gospel is going to be presented. Then we're going to all walk down to the water. And I think there's either 10 or 11 of us. There's a couple pastors out on vacation and um, out. But there's going to be 10 or 11 of us pastors baptizing. So uh, we'll be able to get through um, people enough time to talk to you, give you a chance to testify and baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I signed a whole nother stack of baptism certificates today. I saw I saw kiddos that I know. I saw parents. It's going to be glorious, glorious, glorious. So come on out tonight, Aurora Reservoir. Um, you can. You don't have to be baptized to be a part of this. I mean, we need people to to celebrate, to be excited, uh, to witness, uh, and to be a spectacle in a good way on the shores of the baptism. And I haven't been to the baptism on a Wednesday night, so I don't know who, or to the reservoir. I don't know how many people are going to be out there, but. It's okay. Whoever's out there is going to get to see an excited church alive with the gospel, growing, expanding, and making a difference for the kingdom. Unbelievable. So it's a first. So I, I say all that to say, this is the first time we have baptized on a Wednesday night, cancel services, go to, really services not canceled, moved it to the uh, reservoir. And if you've ever been to a baptism service, you know that we're going to follow a similar model uh, but it's going to be at the reservoir. So lots of people. New Jersey is where we're headed. Teresa, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. Um, my my question is, um, as far as I understand, when a Christian dies, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Yes. Um, but someone who doesn't accept Jesus, who rejects Jesus. Yes. Are they asleep? until the end of the millennial reign and go to the lake of fire or when they pass away, do they go directly to hell? That's a great question. Uh, let me answer the, the, the easier part of this. They do not go to sleep. Uh, there is no biblical uh, underpinnings for a doctrine known as soul sleep. Seventh-day Adventists, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, uh, they, they believe in a soul sleep. Uh, even to some degree, depending on how far they go, they believe in an annihilationism. The Jehovah Witnesses do uh, that. You know, they don't just go to sleep; they just cease to exist. Um, but that's not true. Uh, hell, you know, what we refer to as hell, we kind of use hell to describe all of the different existence, eternal existence apart from uh, God that exist. Um, and hell could better be termed torments. Uh, remember. Uh, you had a in Luke Jesus talked about that intermediate state between before all eternity is consummated, uh, known as Abraham's bosom and torments. Right, um, one side was Abraham's bosom had paradise on one side, torments on the other. Uh, paradise has been emptied and completely now in the presence of God. The new covenant is in existence. The blood of Jesus Christ covers all from sin, and now. Um, the uh, significance of that eternal state is just torments or what we might call hell. It's a temporary holding place for eternal beings that are fully alive in torment that will, at the end of the millennial, at the consummation of all things, be cast into the lake of fire, um, which is, is the worst existence. If you can think of something worse than Hades or hell, 
the Lake of Fire, Gehenna, is that place. So no, they are fully awake, fully alive, fully alert. So that's two different places. It's that is two different places. Temporary holding place until then. That's well, there was so two sad. different places. It's only one now. Oh, okay. So if someone who didn't accept Jesus dies, and so they go to Hades, but then at the end of the millennial reign, they'll go into the lake of fire? Yeah, at the end of the... Um, at the end of the, I thought, I, yes, at the end of the consummation of age at the millennial brain, the death in Hades will finally be thrown into the lake of fire, complete, which is, which is symbolic, but also literal of the complete restoration of all things. Well, and, thanks for explaining that. I, that was a little confusing, especially when um, at my church, we were going through the book of Revelation. Yes. I got a little confused about that. So well, I mean, it is, it is challenging because we generally just say hell for everything. Um, and we don't take into account the, par- the, the true story of, eight, of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, some people call it a parable, but Jesus didn't use real names in parables. And when he describes it, he says there was a certain rich man clothed in purple and fine linen. He fared sumptuously every day, a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores. Uh, they... Um, the beggar died, carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, so you see his physical body was buried, but he was alive, tormented in Hades, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his uh, bosom. And and so he cried out. He was fully alive. Have mercy on me. Um, you know, send somebody uh, that I with water. Send somebody to go evangelize my family, uh, and so he's fully alive. Um, but when Jesus died, the Bible says he descended and led captivity free. He left captivity captive. He now took all those that were in the old covenant, awaiting the fullness of the new covenant. And once he was dead, the the Abraham's bosom is empty now. It doesn't exist. Paradise is now in the presence of God for all of eternity. And those that are in um, Hades or hell, uh, what we refer to as hell, tormented in torments, um, are awaiting their final uh, judgment at the great white throne. Thanks so much for explaining that. And I would say if you want some help with your study in Revelation, email me. And this is uh, valid for anybody. I have a series of links, especially in end time um, I have a timeline of the end times that I put together in one of my studies. If you email me or you text the number here, it's 336, uh, no, 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 720-336-0897, and you ask for information on the prophetic timeline, I'll respond to that with a, a whole host of links for you. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. You can always email me, ed at edtaylor.org. It has to be .org, ed at edtaylor.org, and just ask for the prophecy information, and we have all kinds of information uh, that I've compiled that will help you study um, not only our view of the pre-tribulational, pre-millennial uh, view of eschatology, um, but also a timeline. When do things happen? Um, how, how does, how do, how do the teachings on the end time all line up together and what kind of order do they happen? I've spent some time putting that together. 
303-690-3000. Where are we? Uh, Wayne in Texas. Welcome to the program. Hey, Wayne, are you there? Okay, Wayne asked a great question, though. Um, Is there a scripture you can give to someone to help soften their hard heart? He's asking for a relative who has been through a lot and seems really hard right now. Well, let me just say that um, the Holy Spirit can use any of the scriptures to soften hearts. So anything that you have shared out of love for your friend and relative uh, is um, helpful. The Holy Spirit can use it. And I have on my website, edtaylor.org, an article that I entitled 10 Bible Verses About the Comfort of God. And there is another article, 50 Bible Verses for Comfort. Uh, And I put that together. If you go to edtaylor.org and just go to the search bar and put the word comfort in. I mean, I I write a lot about this because grief has a way of hardening hearts and uh, going through difficulties in life, uh, harden hearts. And the Holy Spirit wants to soften hearts. And these verses, I mean, there's 60 verses on my website. Just go to edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org, and don't go to .com because professional Santa Claus Ed Taylor owns that domain. That's not me. I am not Santa Claus. I am just a pastor, pastoring a very loving, caring church in Aurora, Colorado. So my website is Ed taylor.org and just put the word comfort in the search bar and there'll be more than more than enough information available to you on verses for comfort and encouragement 303 carol asked in brighton she dropped but she asked where what happens to people that die in the millennium um what happens to people that die in the millennium period uh, is exactly the same uh, as any other time period of life. Uh, it's a point in wants for a man to die and then uh, the judgment. And so for those loyal to Jesus Christ, uh, they will be absent from the body, present from the, with the Lord. Uh, to those that are separate from God, uh, will spend eternity apart from God and they'll be very much closer to the Uh, Death and Hades being thrown into the lake of fire at the end of the millennial period. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls. I know there's some calls coming in, so we're going to go right to Denver. Uh, David, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. Hey, David, what's up? Um, I just wanted to ask, if someone were to ask you as a pastor, um, prove that they are loved, what kind of affirmation or encouragement or prayers would you provide or what kind of, I know I know there's a lot of scriptures to kind of fortify sure. that but I was wondering what your response would be Well I can um, tell you my response won't be as fast uh, uh as you might think because I would want to mm-hmm. know I would want to get to know the person I would mm-hmm. want to know the angle that they're asking that question uh, I would want to know uh, you know, what kind of hurts are they carrying? What kind of uh, pain? Who who has hurt them? Like, I would want to know a little bit about them. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be so quick um, to 
just reveal like you know this is what the Bible says. Although mm-hmm. I would I I wouldn't shy away from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know the fact. Let's just say it's somebody close, you know, and somebody mm-hmm. close is just struggling. Somebody I know, somebody I have a relationship with, and mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I would remind them is that God brought us into each other's lives. I might bring to their remembrance ways that um, uh, love has been demonstrated before. Um, if I wanted, if if there was a question about the demonstration of love, I might talk about First Corinthians thirteen. Um, you know, remember how Paul gave us not a perfect picture of love, um, but the idea of love suffers long and is kind. So I would want to point out any kind of patience or kindness. Love isn't envious or love mm-hmm. doesn't parade itself. I, w- I would walk through again. It would not be a generic answer as much as it would be asking the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom on how mm-hmm. to tailor the answer in such a way that would really speak to the to the affirmations they already carry because most likely what we're dealing with is someone that feels like they're not being loved or feels like they're not loved. And it's probably tied to some really bad behavior, abuse, belittling, um, verbal abuse, physical abuse, abandonment, divorce, friendlessness, you know, those types of things make a person feel like they're not loved or cared for. And I would want to remind them that even though their feelings are strong and there's, there may even be some truth to, Hey, this guy hurt me and this, you know, that, that, that not, you know, nobody loves me or whatever, however they might be expressing that I would want to be very gentle and cautious and prayerful in bringing them back to the times where they know that they have experienced love they know that there are people in their life that care. Um, you know, like, like for example, if I'm just thinking right now, you know, if somebody ended up saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like I'm loved because um, my, my mom abandoned me. And that's a real difficult situation to endure your life, uh, to be abandoned by your parents. But then I'm reminded, the Lord just immediately brought to my mind uh, that even God, God knew that this pain would be in someone's lives because he says in the Bible that even if your mother and father forsake me, God will not forsake me. And, and I would, you know, it wouldn't be a quick answer and it probably wouldn't be a one, like a one time answer. It would probably take some time to not only sow those seeds into someone's heart about kindness, uh, whether it's kindness of another person, you know, it's love from other people or it's love from God, the gift of life. The gift of the sustaining of life, um, clothes on the back, food on the table, um, even even the whole opportunity that we are talking together is a demonstration of the love of God that He might let us express ourselves and 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 learn from each other and listen to one another. And I'd probably go that route. Um, yeah, that, yeah. Um that's very encouraging, and um, I'll definitely uh, respond with gentleness and yes. empathy. Very um, clear, and, clear. and I think that is that that just what you just said. I appreciate you putting those words to that because gentleness and empathy are also a demonstration of your love and care. And again, maybe we need to talk about um, the definition of love and and mm. what does God describe love as, and how does the Hollywood movie machine describe love. 
Right. And, and maybe I need to clarify about where that person is. And I just know in times like that, uh, that particular question or that particular concern, a quick, you know, answer like, Hey, here's two scriptures and call me in the morning is not the most effective way, even though I believe in the strength in the Bible and I believe in, in the efficacy of God's word. I don't believe that we just throw it out there and say, uh, you know what, just believe it. Um, but rather God sent his only begotten son in human flesh to demonstrate love to us. I mean, if God would take the time and sacrifice to demonstrate love to us, wouldn't it be wise for us to also take time and sacrifice and show that's preference great. to the person in front of us? Yeah, that's great. That's really encouraging. Um, yeah, it reminds me, you know, they don't know, uh, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. That's right. I learned that many years ago in a book on teaching. Um, I, I was teaching at a, I was teaching at a men's retreat and I shared what I believe, you know, I, I was a newer believer. I really felt like I was called to teach. It was a little devotional before the teaching. And I had a brother come up and go, you know, Ed, I really think God's hands upon you, but you have a lot to learn. And I said, yeah, I do have a lot to learn. And he gave me this book and it was in this book. It's called seven laws of the learner that the author, that's the first time I ever heard it. It says, people don't care how much you know. And too many times we care that people care how much we know. But who cares what we know? What they need to know is how much we care. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't trust me, then you won't listen to me. And mm -hmm. I want to do in my life, especially the closer relationships, I want to live to the best of my ability to earn your trust, to keep mm -hmm. your trust, so mm -hmm. that in the bridge of trust, God can use me as a voice in your life. I'll probably just be a voice among many voices, yeah. but a f I want to be that faithful voice so that you would trust me. And go, okay, I'll take that. I'll think about mm -hmm. it. I'll pray about it. And I just think the church has been conditioned too many times just that we are know-it-alls, and we're not. Mm -hmm. We have no idea. We don't, we, if somebody came to me truly and said, Ed, I, how do I know if I'm loved? My first answer is, I really don't know. I have no idea. I really don't. I need to hear from you. What do you mean? What are you trying to express? Explain that to me, because the more I can understand you, the more I can be open to the Holy Spirit to give you the answer that really speaks to what you're trying to say to me. Wow. That's, uh, I, I really appreciate you, um, you know, breaking that up to, you know, taking that into, into pieces instead of, um, cause yeah, I was definitely feeling like there was more of a one word response, but like you reminded me that there's probably a reason why he's asking that, and, um, that I should, yeah. um, try, try to, uh, take it more, um, be, just be a little bit more like Jesus in terms of t teaching, because I don't, I don't really necessarily feel like he just hit him with truth immediately. Right. <laughs> like right. He, You're prepping he them. Grace and love and understanding in different ways. Yeah, I think you know because there are some biblical. I mean, that we're not going to abandon the Bible. No, not at all. There are some biblical definitions of love, like Jesus. Remember, he said, "Greater love." has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. And and so whether it's the, the, the love of a soldier or the love of a 
police officer or the love of someone breaking up a fight and defending the poor and the needy. I mean, there are demonstrations of this all throughout our culture. And of course, as a pastor, I know I've said this before, you know, if you want proof of God's love, you have to look to the cross. But again, before we get someone's eyes on the cross, we have to understand, I really want to know, like, what did you just come from a romantic movie and you think of love as I'm single and, you know, does that what you mean? I'm single and nobody loves me. That's different than um, I feel alone and isolated and God doesn't love me. That is different than, you know, my mom abandoned me, you know, on and on that list can go where if I answer, an, if I give an answer toward the abandonment and actually he, the brother's just struggling with his singleness, then I really haven't helped him. I've confused him even more. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And if it's really a distance from God and, and it's not personal with people and I give an answer like personal with people, then again, I've made it worse for him, not better. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's super important that we just listen, try to discern and really ask for the Lord. Lord, give me a word of wisdom. Give me a word of knowledge. Um, because I really do care. I, and I, and, and I think I, looking at the person in front of me, just like this phone call, like I really do care for you. So I want to know what you mean. I really, what is your question mean and how will you apply it? Because, um, that's the best way to be used by God is to pay attention to the person in front of you. That's great. I, uh, you know, I, I prayed before I called, I said, I was praying. I was like, Lord, give me wisdom of it. I thought, <laughs> That's awesome. oh, what time is it? <laughs> so I called you. So um, I, I want to say thank you to Gapper. You know, You're welcome. Me to you. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Um, I will drop my agenda. Like, I, yeah, I was really feeling like I needed a couple scriptures or something, but the, I, I definitely feel like I should drop that, that my own personal agenda to teach or, you know, to show him in such a way, but really try to understand him a little more and see if there's anything deeper that I could um, find out to pray about and and be compassionate about. This is where, and you bring up a really good point, because this is where memorizing Scripture is very important, and most believers are not memorizing Scripture anymore, because the more you deposit, like as I was talking, the Lord reminded me, of that passage. I don't even remember the address. I think it's in John's gospel somewhere. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friend. That popped into my mind uh, as I was talking to you and thinking, well, there are some... And so when you have the word of God deposited in you, the Holy Spirit can bring it back and you don't even need... It's not like we're going to go in uh, to minister to our friends without God's word. I mean, and we, we can even talk God's word without ever quoting it. Like we can give scripture, we can give truths, we can give God's biblical logic. And of course, it's his word that's going to bring conviction. It's his word that's going to transform minds. But like you said, if we jump over the person to just the answer, we're going to miss the whole point of why God brought them into our lives. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, the scriptures, yeah, you're you're saying some really good scriptures that I think I'll tell him in terms of even your mother and father. Yes. Don't forsake you. Like, but God was never forsaken. I never thought of that one. Um, so I'm glad I, I brought this to your attention. And, um, and that's Psalm yeah. 2710, by the way, F- Psalm 2710. 
Thank you. Yeah. Let me, I, let me pray uh, for you. We're coming up on the end of the show. We're, we're already out of time. So let me pray real quick, okay? Father, I pray for my brother. Uh, use him greatly, just even as you answered his prayer and you have given him direction and you have given him friendships. May you multiply his friendships so he has more opportunities just like this, but in particular with this one friend. May you show him favor. May you um, use him in ways uh, that David would just be overwhelmed by the presence of your spirit as he speaks love, peace, and truth into his friend. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, we're heading out to the reservoir right now. I think some of the team's already there setting up Aurora Reservoir Water Baptism 2022 here at Calvary Church. We've got over 130 people right now set to be baptized, and I'm sure there'll be more. you got to come out. Uh, There is a fee for parking if you don't have a pass, but uh, it's worth it. Come on out. Uh, We are headed over there right now, going to be used of God. Haven't done this in years, and we are so excited. No service at the building today for Calvary Church. And if this is on an encore one day uh, in the future, it will, I already know by faith it's going to be a glorious day, a wonderful day pressing into the things of God. Um, God bless you guys. Be strong in the grace of Jesus, and we'll see you guys out at the reservoir in just an hour or so. Good night, and be strong in the Lord. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.